بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the hijrah of the Prophet وسلم, with Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه and today, inshallah, we want to talk about the role of Abu Bakr radiallahu an during one of the most important incidents in the history of Islam. And this is the Battle of Badr, which took place in the second year of the Hijrah. So we want to talk about Abu Bakr radiallahu an and his role in that battle. So as we spoke about in detail in the lessons on the seerah, what is the background of the Battle of Badr? Abu Sufyan, he had a caravan coming from Asham, coming from the greater Syria area that had a lot of wealth of the Quraysh on that caravan. So when the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims found out about that caravan, they decided to intercept it and ambush it. And the reason behind that was that the Kuffar of the Quraysh, they had taken the wealth of the Muslims. When the Muslims had to leave Mecca and go to Medina, they left their wealth in Mecca and the Kuffar of the Quraysh unjustly took over all of that wealth. So the Muslims have every right to ambush this caravan now, to get back at least some of what was taken from them. Even if they were to ambush this caravan and take everything from that caravan, it still wouldn't make up for what was taken from them by the Kuffar of the Quraysh. So they were completely justified in ambushing these caravans. So when they got news that this caravan led by Abu Sufyan is coming from Sham, they decided to go and intercept it. Now, the news of this plan reached the Kuffar of the Quraysh in Mecca. Abu Jahl and the other leaders of the Quraysh in Mecca, they came to know that the Prophet Muhammad and his companions were planning to stage an ambush on the caravan of Abu Sufyan. So when they found out about this, they decided to send an army in order to fight the Prophet and his companions. So the Quraysh sent a huge army of 1,000 people to confront the Muslims. And the Muslims who were going out, not for a war, but they were just going out to raid that caravan. There were only a little more than 300 of them. So when the news came that the Kuffar of the Quraysh are sending an army in order to confront the Muslims, the Muslims had not prepared for this. They were not ready for this. And there were only a little more than 300 of them at Badr at that time. Most of the Muslims had actually stayed in Medina because they didn't know that there's going to be a war. The Muslims who had left Medina, they left with the intention of ambushing the caravan. But now the whole situation has changed. So these 300, a little more than 300 men, they had to make a decision. What are we going to do here? A thousand men of the Quraysh are coming to fight. What are we going to do? So because this whole situation just came up and it was unplanned, the Prophet ﷺ actually consulted his companions. He consulted the Sahaba. And he asked for their advice. What do you think we should do? So the first one to speak, the first one to speak was Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. He stood up and he spoke beautiful words. 
and he encouraged the Prophet ﷺ, we are with you, Ya Rasulullah, and we are ready to fight these people. We are ready to fight the Quraysh. The Prophet ﷺ was very happy with, Abu, with what Abu Bakr said. Then the Prophet ﷺ asked, is there anyone else who has anything to say? And then Umar ibn al-Khattab was the second person to speak. He stood up and he also spoke good words of support to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ was very pleased with this as well. Then Umar sat down. The Prophet ﷺ continued, is there anyone else who has anything to say? Then Al-Miqdad ibn Aswad radiallahu an, he got up and he spoke and he said beautiful words to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, wherever you take us, we are ready to go with you. And we will not say like Bani Israel said to Musa alayhi salam. They said to Musa alayhi salam, فَذْهَبْ أَنْتَ وَرَبُّكَ فَقَاتِلَا إِنَّا هَا هُنَا قَاعِدُونَ Bani Israel said to Musa alayhi salam, you and your Lord, you go and fight. We are sitting here. We do not say like that. Rather, Ya Rasulullah, we say, اذهب أنت وربك فقاتلا إنا معكما مقاتلون. He said that we say, you and your Lord go fight, Ya Rasulullah, and we are with you fighting as well. We are with you fighting as well. So the Prophet ﷺ was very happy to hear what Al-Miqdad had to say as well. And then he sat down. Then the Prophet ﷺ again, he said, is there anyone else who would like to say anything? And then Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu an. Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh radiallahu an. He was the leader of the tribe of Aus. So he was from the Ansar, one of the leaders of the Ansar. And he spoke beautiful words to the Prophet sallallahu as well, showing his support. That we are with you, Ya Rasulullah. We are with you, Ya Rasulullah. Even if you take us into the sea, we will follow you into the sea. So the Prophet sallallahu was very happy with, with the encouragement and with the support of his companions. So yes, they were ready to fight the Quraysh. They were, they were prepared now to fight the Quraysh. So the night before the battle, there was a beautiful incident between the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr The night before the battle was to start, the Prophet ﷺ realized the significance of what was going to happen, that this is a very, very important event in the history of Islam and the results of this incident are going to shape the future of Islam the Prophet ﷺ realized that so this was very heavy on the Prophet ﷺ. so he spent the night before the battle begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for victory the Prophet ﷺ made one of the most emotional du'as on that night. He said, Allahumma anjiz li ma wa'attani. Allahumma aati ma wa'attani. Allahumma in tuhlik hadihil isabata min ahlil islam la tu'bad fil ard. Very emotional words from the Prophet ﷺ. Ya Allah, give me what you have promised me. Ya Allah, if you allow this group of Muslims to be destroyed, then you will not be worshipped on this earth. So he was very sincere and very humble in his dua that he was making to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he raised his hands so high, he raised his hands so high begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help that his upper garment fell off his shoulders. He was wearing an upper garment but his hands were raised so high when he was begging Allah that his upper garment actually fell down fell off his shoulders. And Abu Bakr عنه, is witnessing this whole thing. He is seeing this dua of the Prophet ﷺ. And he is seeing 
how the Prophet ﷺ is making this emotional plea to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help and for victory. And Abu Bakr is very affected by what he sees. He was very affected by what he saw. So when the upper garment of the Prophet ﷺ fell off his back, Abu Bakr came up and he took that upper garment of the Prophet ﷺ and he fixed it back on the shoulders of the Prophet ﷺ. And then he hugged the Prophet ﷺ from the back. And he said to the Prophet ﷺ, He said, Ya Rasulullah, this is enough. You have called upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely give you what He has promised you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will surely give you what He has promised you, Ya Rasulullah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah. إِذْ تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ أَنِّي مُمِدُّكُمْ بِأَلْفٍ مِّنَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ مُرْدِفِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered this dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. إِذْ تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ When you asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you asked your Lord for help, when you asked your Lord to save you, فَاسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ And he answered you, and what was his answer? That I will help you with 1,000 angels, one coming after another in succession. So this was the answer to the dua of the Prophet wasallam. So the Prophet wasallam informed Abu Bakr that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has answered this dua and the victory is going to come. Allah is sending the angels and the victory will come to us. So this was glad tidings. This was glad tidings that the Prophet ﷺ received and he conveyed and he shared these glad tidings with Abu Bakr So we know the history of the Battle of Badr, alhamdulillah. We spoke about that in detail in the seerah. You know that the Muslims had a very decisive victory. It wasn't even close. The Muslims annihilated the kuffar on that day, alhamdulillah. It was a huge victory for the Muslims. And they actually captured 70 prisoners of war from the Quraysh. So now the Muslims, they won the battle and they have 70 prisoners that they have captured from the Quraysh. So now, this is a new situation. This is the first time ever in history that the Muslims have prisoners of war. So they don't know what to do. The Prophet ﷺ was not sure what to do with these prisoners. And revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not come to him regarding what to do with these prisoners. So the Prophet ﷺ consulted with his two closest companions, Abu Bakr and Umar ibn al-Khattab. He consulted both of them. So Abu Bakr gave his advice. He said, Ya Rasulullah, these prisoners, they are from our people. They are our relatives. They are from the same tribe as us. And perhaps there is still a chance perhaps there is still a chance that they may be guided in the future. So my suggestion, Ya Rasulullah, let us take ransom for them. Let their family members pay us for their release. And this will be good in two ways. That with this money that we get from the ransom, it will be good for the economy of Medina. We can use it to help the Muslims. It will be a, a big financial support for our state. So that's one benefit. And the second benefit is that these people that we let go, there is still a chance in the future that maybe they will be guided to Islam. So this is my suggestion, Ya Rasulullah. 
let us take ransom and release them. Then the Prophet ﷺ asked Umar an, what do you think? And Umar an said, I strongly disagree with what Abu Bakr an said. I don't agree with what he said. Rather, Ya Rasulullah, whoever those prisoners are, find a family member of them from the Muslims and have the family member from the Muslims go and kill their family member from these prisoners. So if I have a relative that is one of the prisoners, order me to go kill him. And anyone who has a relative from the prisoners, order them to go and kill their relatives. Order Ali to kill Aqil. Aqil ibn Abi Talib, he was the brother of Ali ibn Abi Talib. And he was one of the prisoners who was caught on that day. Later on, Alhamdulillah, Aqil became a Muslim. But on that day, he fought on the side of the kuffar and he was captured as a prisoner. So Umar said, order Ali to go and kill Aqil. They are brothers. And this will send a message to the Quraysh, Ya Rasulullah, that they don't mess with us. That this is what happens when you try to do anything to the Muslims. That we're not going to have mercy on you if you try to harm us. So Umar radiallahu anh, this was his idea. Let us teach them a lesson and let us send them a message. So you see, Abu Bakr radiallahu anh and Umar radiallahu anh, they had very, very different ideas on how to deal with this situation. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said, regarding Abu Bakr, he said, your example, ya Abu Bakr, is like the example of Ibrahim alayhi salam. When Ibrahim alayhi salam said, فَمَنْ تَبِعَنِي فَإِنَّهُ مِنِّي وَمَنْ عَصَانِي فَإِنَّكَ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Ibrahim alayhi salam, he said, Ya Allah, whoever follows me, then he is from me. But whoever disobeys me, then still, Ya Allah, you are ghafoor, you are the most forgiving, you are rahim, you are the most merciful. And then he said to Abu Bakr, and Abu Bakr, your example is also like the example of Isa alayhi salam. When Isa alayhi salam said, إِن تُعَذِّبْهُمْ فَإِنَّهُمْ عِبَادُكَ وَإِن تَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ فَإِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Isa alayhi salam, he said, Ya Allah, if you punish them, then surely they are your slaves. But if you forgive them, then surely you are the Almighty and you are the All-Wise. So the example of Abu Bakr radiallahu an was similar to Ibrahim alayhi salam and Isa alayhi salam. Then he said to Umar, to Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an, and your example, ya Umar, is like the example of Nuh. When Nuh said, Rabbi la tazar ala al-ardi min al-kafirina dayyara. Oh my Lord, do not leave even one single disbeliever on this earth. Destroy all of them. Your example, Ya Umar, is like Nuh. And your example, Ya Umar, is like Musa alayhi salam. When Musa alayhi salam said, regarding the Fir'aun and his people, Musa alayhi salam, he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, Ya Allah, destroy their wealth and harden their hearts so they will not believe until a painful punishment comes to them, until they see a painful punishment. So your example, Ya Umar, is like Musa alayhi salam. So both of them had their reasoning, but they were completely different ideas on what to do with this new situation, what to do with the prisoners of war. So eventually, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he took the advice of 
Abu Bakr radiallahu and he ordered that ransom be taken for these prisoners of war. That was the decision that was made. Now, the next morning, the next day, Umar radiallahu sees the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and Abu Bakr radiallahu sitting together, both crying. They are both crying. And Umar radiallahu he asks, "What is making you cry?" What is making you cry? Tell me. Tell me. Because if there is something to cry, I will cry with you as well. And if I find that it is not something to cry about, then I will still cry over your crying. I will still cry just because you are crying. Tell me what happened. And then the Prophet ﷺ told Umar the reason why they were crying. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed some verses regarding what should have been done with the prisoners of war. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat, مَا كَانَ لِلنَّبِيِّ أَن يَكُونَ لَهُ حَكِيمٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that it is not appropriate for a, for a prophet to take prisoners until they have slaughtered the kuffar. They have to show an example. This is the first battle of Islam. This is the first time they had these prisoners of war. So this was the time to actually make an example. So the correct decision would have been to actually kill all of these prisoners of war. To set an example and to send a message. It is not for a prophet to take prisoners until he has slaughtered these disbelievers. You want the bounty of this world by taking ransom and getting money. This is what you are seeking. But Allah, He wants success for you in the hereafter. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Almighty and the All-Wise. لَوْلَا كِتَابٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ سَبَقَ لَمَسَّكُمْ فِيمَا أَخَذْتُمْ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ That if it wasn't for a previous ordainment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then a great punishment would have come to you for this. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He forgave it. And He said, فَكُلُوا مِمَّا غَنِمْتُمْ حَلَالًا طَيِّبًا So now that you have already taken it, you have already made the decision and you have already started taking Ransom for the prisoners. That is okay. Allah has pardoned it. Pardoned it. You can take that money. And fear Allah. Surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most forgiving and the most merciful. So the revelation that came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding this incident, it was in agreement with what Umar ibn al-Khattab had said actually. Right? But it shows, this whole incident, it shows the, the softness of the heart of the Prophet ﷺ and also the softness of the heart of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq Alright, also during the battle of Badr regarding Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and his role in that battle. Abu Bakr was fighting against the kuffar of the Quraysh. And from amongst the soldiers of the kuffar on that day was the son of Abu Bakr who had not accepted Islam 
up to that point. Abdul Rahman ibn Abu Bakr, at, at the day of Badr, he was not a Muslim yet. Abu Bakr's other son, Abdullah, was a Muslim. And his daughters, Aisha and Asma, عنهما, they were Muslims. But Abdul Rahman ibn Abu Bakr, he became a Muslim later. So on the day of Badr, Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr was fighting on the side of the Quraysh against the Muslims. And later on, years later, when Abdul Rahman became a Muslim, he spoke to his father about that day. He said to his father, Oh, my father, you know, on the day of Badr, years ago, on the day of Badr, I had an opportunity to kill you. There were, there were instances in that battle where you were in my line of sight and I could have killed you. But I didn't because you're my father. I couldn't, I couldn't kill my father. And what did Abu Bakr reply to his son? What did he say to Abdul Rahman? He said, but you never came in the, in the line of my sight on that day. Because if you had come in my path, if you had come in my line of sight, I would have struck you with my sword. I would have killed you on that day if you came in my way. So when it comes to a battle between Islam and Kufr, there are no blood relations. There's no father and no son. No. It is the Muslims against the Kuffar. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا تجد قوما يؤمنون بالله واليوم الآخر يوادون من حاد الله ورسوله ولو كانوا آباءهم أو أبناءهم أو إخوانهم أو عشيرتهم أولئك كتب في قلوبهم الإيمان وأيدهم بروح منه وَيُدْخِلُهُمْ جَنَّاتِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that you will not find a people who believe in Allah and the last day ever loving those who act in opposition to Allah and His Messenger. Even if they were their own fathers or their own sons or their own brothers or their own relatives, it doesn't matter. Rather, it is Islam against Kufr. So Abu Bakr an, he showed that, that spirit. That even if his own son had come in front of him on that day and he was fighting on the side of the Kufar, Abu Bakr an, would have killed him without any hesitation. So it just shows the strength of his Iman. Allah says, iman. These are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written in their heart, Iman. Allah has written Iman in their heart. So Abu Bakr was one of these people who was blessed in this way. So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq he participated in the battle of Badr and he participated in every single ghazwa that the Prophet was in. Every single one. Badr, Uhud, Khandaq, Khaybar, all of them. Abu Bakr was, was always there with the Prophet in all of his ghazawat. And this shows the bravery of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq as well. Alright. On the return of one of these battles that Abu Bakr had attended with the Prophet the battle of Banil Mustaliq. One of the major difficulties in the life of Abu Bakr and his family happened after returning from that battle. Returning from the battle of Banil Mustaliq. So what happened? Alright, on the way back to Medina from Bani al-Mustaliq, the Muslims had stopped at a rest station, a place where they would stop and rest for a while. So they stopped to rest and Aisha radiallahu anha 
the wife of the Prophet ﷺ and the daughter of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq she was on that expedition as well. She had accompanied the Muslims on that, that expedition as well. So when they were at this rest stop on the way back to Medina, Aisha anha, she had lost a necklace of hers. So she went out looking for that necklace. And while she was looking for the necklace, it was time to get up from that rest stop and, and continue on the journey. So the way that women used to travel is that they would travel in a, 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 an entrapment that was known as a haudaj. A haudaj is basically like a portable tent that is carried on the back of a camel. So it's like a small portable tent that is covered on all sides. And the tent is placed on the back of a camel and the camel walks with that tent on its back. And inside the tent is the woman. So this is how Aisha anha was traveling in a haudaj. So she can have her privacy inside. So anyways, she had, she had left looking for that necklace. And while she was still looking for it, it was time to leave. So the people picked up her haudaj. They picked up her tent to put it back on the camel. So when they picked up her tent, they didn't realize that she was not inside it. She was so light that it didn't make much of a difference in terms of the weight. If she was inside the tent or not inside the tent, it didn't make much of a difference because she was so light. So the people who picked up her haudaj, her tent, to put it on the camel, they didn't realize she was not inside. They thought that she was inside and they put it on the back of the camel. And Aisha anha, she's still looking for her necklace. She doesn't know what's going on. And they leave. So when she comes back, she realizes that everyone is gone. She finds her necklace, she comes back, and she realizes that everyone is gone. So she understands what has happened, that they left without her. So she thinks to herself, okay, I should stay in the same spot where I was. I should stay in the same spot where my camel was, where my tent was, because surely eventually they're going to realize that I'm not there, and someone will come back, they will come back to get me. So I should stay right here. So she stayed right there. While she was waiting, Safwan ibn al-Mu'attil one of the companions of the Prophet وسلم, who had been assigned to stay behind the army. So they would basically, how these, how these expeditions work was that there would be someone who is assigned to stay behind the army. So that if anyone drops anything, that this person can come in the back and he can pick anything up that has been dropped. So Safwan ibn al-Mu'attil was the one who was given this responsibility. So he was behind the army. So eventually he caught up to where Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha anha was waiting. And he saw her there alone. So he realized that you know, he can't just leave her there alone. This is dangerous. A young woman all alone by herself. No one is around. This is dangerous. So he realized that he has to take her. So without a word, he didn't even say anything. He just got off his camel. He just got off his camel and she saw and she got on the camel and then he walked while he guided the camel towards Medina. So she's sitting on the camel and Safwan is walking, guiding the camel and they don't speak to each other. They don't even say anything to each other. Alright, so both of them were pure. Alhamdulillah. Eventually, they come into Medina. And as they are entering Al-Madina, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, he sees them. He sees Safwan walking and he sees Aisha radiallahu anha on Safwan's camel. 
And Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, as you know from the lessons on the seerah, who is he? He is the head of the munafiqeen. He is the worst of the hypocrites. So when he sees this, he sees an opportunity to start a rumor. So he makes some snide remark when he sees Safwan walking and Aisha radiallahu anha on the camel. So he says, Safwan wa Aisha? Safwan and Aisha? What is this? And then he says, Ma najat minhu wa ma naja minha. Basically, he makes a, a type of implication that something, billah, we seek refuge in Allah from this evil. He makes an implication that something happened between Safwan and Aisha radiallahu anhuma. And they are free and innocent from what the munafiqeen said. So this rumor started from Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. And it starts going around the city. People start talking about it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved many people from speaking about this. Alhamdulillah. But there were a number of people who fell into this trap and they started speaking about this rumor. Even some of the good Muslims fell into it. They made a mistake and they fell into speaking about this rumor. So when Aisha radiallahu anha returned back to Medina, she didn't know about this rumor. The people were talking about it, but Aisha radiallahu anha, she was oblivious to it. She didn't know what was going on. So she actually became very sick when she came, when she, when she returned to Medina. She was ill. And she was just staying at home resting. And she didn't know about the rumors. But she did notice one thing that she found unusual. She noticed that the Prophet ﷺ, in his interactions with her, he was not as warm as he, as he usually was. He used to talk to her and he used to... The way that he would talk to her was very warm and compassionate. But now she started noticing that he's not as warm anymore. He's, he's kind of, he has kind of become a little bit cold in the way that he talks to her. Still nice to her and everything and still talking to her. But there is, there's a change. There is a change in, in the way that he's interacting with her. There is some coldness in the way that, that he is acting with her. So she found this strange, but she had no idea what the reasoning behind it was. She didn't know about the rumors. So she was ill, and she asked the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, can I go to my, my parents' house while I'm sick? Can I go to my parents' house? Because my mother, she will take care of me if I'm over there. And the Prophet ﷺ gave her permission. He said, yes, you can go. So she went to her parents' house, the house of Abu Bakr radiallahu and Aisha radiallahu anha's mother, Umm Ruman, the wife of Abu Bakr radiallahu So she's staying there and Abu Bakr knows about the rumors and Umm Ruman also knows about the rumors but they don't say anything to Aisha radiallahu anha. So she still doesn't know anything about it. So one day she went out and she was walking with a friend of hers named Umm Mistah. And Umm Mistah was the mother of Mistah. Mistah was a relative of Abu, of Abu Bakr. He was a cousin of Abu Bakr And Mistah was one of the good Muslims. He was a good Muslim, but he made a mistake and he fell into the spreading of the rumor. He, was, he actually spoke about Aisha anha in a way that was, that was not correct. He was a good Muslim, but he made a mistake here and he fell into the slander. So this was Mistah ibn Uthatha radiallahu anhu. So the mother of Mistah, Umm Mistah, one day she was walking with Aisha radiallahu anha and Umm Mistah tripped on her dress. 
So she's walking and you know the women they would have like longer dresses and the dresses would sometimes drag a little bit on the ground. So she was walking and she accidentally tripped on her own dress and she fell down. And when she fell down, she said, Ta'isa mistah. Ta'isa mistah. May mistah be ruined. And who is saying this? This is the mother of mistah. Saying, may mistah be ruined. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she is shocked at this. How can, how can she say this? This is her own son. And her son was a good man. And he was actually one of the men who participated in the battle of Badr. The Muslims who were in the battle of Badr, they have a special significance against, uh, they have a special significance amongst the Muslims. So Aisha radiallahu anha, when she heard Umm Mistah say, Ta'isa Mistah, she said, how can you say this? Mistah is a good man and he, he was one of those who participated in the battle of Badr. How can you say this? So then Umm Mistah said, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what Mistah has been saying. You don't know about the rumors and the slander that's going on. And Aisha radiallahu anha says, no, I don't know. Tell me, what are you talking about? And then Umm Mistah tells Aisha radiallahu anha the whole story. She had no idea before this day about this rumor. And now she knows everything. And she is crushed. And she starts crying and crying. And she goes back to her home. And she asks her mother, Ya Ummi, oh my mother, you knew about this. You knew about this rumor that's going on and you didn't tell me? And then Umm Ruman, the mother of Aisha radiallahu anha, she says to her daughter, she says, look, these type of things happen. These type of rumors go around when there is a beautiful woman and her husband loves her. People get jealous and they start saying these type of things. So she tried to comfort her. But Aisha radiallahu anha, she was... She was very hurt by this rumor that was going on about her and she knew that she was innocent. So she was very hurt by this and she cried and she cried and she cried a lot. So these rumors went around for a whole month. Can you imagine the difficulty, the hardship that was going through the household of Abu Bakr during that month? Aisha anha, and her mother and her father having to deal with these rumors, it was a very difficult time for the family of Abu Bakr And for a whole month, no revelation came. No revelation came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding this issue. For a whole month. Then one day, the Prophet came to the house of Abu Bakr to discuss this issue. No revelation had come yet. So even the Prophet didn't know he wasn't sure about the reality of the situation. He trusted his wife and he believed that she was telling the truth and he believed that this was a false rumor, but he was not 100% sure. And even Abu Bakr an and Umm Ruman, the parents of Aisha anha, they were not 100% sure either. They didn't know for sure. So the Prophet comes to the house of Abu Bakr And who is there in the house at that time? It is Abu Bakr his wife Umm Ruman and their daughter Aisha radiallahu anha. So the three of them and the Prophet are there in the house. So the Prophet he addresses his wife, he addresses Aisha radiallahu anha. He says, Ya Aisha, Ya Aisha, if you are innocent, if you are innocent, then Allah will clear you. If you are innocent, then Allah will clear you. But if it is true, 
if it is true then repent to Allah ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he forgives anyone who repents so Aisha radiallahu anha was shocked and she was hurt to hear these words from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that the Prophet sallallahu is not sure that he's not sure that I'm telling the truth he's saying if I am innocent then Allah will clear me but if I am not then I should repent to Allah so these words from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they they gave pain to Aisha radiallahu anha that he's not sure if I'm telling the truth so she said to her father she said answer the messenger of Allah answer the messenger of Allah and Abu Bakr radiallahu anha he says I don't know what to say to him I don't know how to answer this I don't know what to say then Aisha radiallahu anha she addresses her mother Umm Ruman answer Rasulullah answer him and Umm Ruman she says the same thing I don't know what to say I don't know how to answer Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so Aisha radiallahu anha she's, she's very sad and she's very hurt by this and she speaks herself she says Wallahi I swear by Allah I will not repent to Allah for something that I didn't do. I didn't do this. I'm innocent. So how can I repent to Allah for something that I didn't even do? I will not repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something that I did not even do. And then she continued. She said, if I tell you the truth that I am innocent and Allah knows that I am innocent, then you won't believe me. I'm telling you the truth that I am innocent and Allah knows that this is the truth that I am innocent. But if I, if I tell you the truth, you will not believe me. But if I say that I did something that Allah knows I did not do it, Allah knows that I did not do it. But if I say that I did it falsely, then you will believe me. So you will believe me if I say what is not true. But if I say what is true, then you don't believe me. So what can I do? And then she said, I can only say as the father of Yusuf said, I can only say as the father of Yusuf said, she said that she was, she was so disturbed by what was happening that she forgot the name of Ya'qub The father of Yusuf, it's Ya'qub. But she was so disturbed that she couldn't remember the name of Ya'qub. So she said, I can only say what the father of Yusuf said. فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ عَلَى مَا تَصِفُونَ Patience is beautiful. I have to be patient. Patience is beautiful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one whose help is sought. I seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from what is being described. And then she turned away and she lied down. And she felt peace at that point. She felt peace. She said, I know that I am innocent and Allah knows that I am innocent and Allah, Allah will exonerate me. Allah will show that I am innocent. But she never imagined that verses of the Qur'an would be revealed regarding this. What she was thinking was that perhaps the Prophet ﷺ will see in a dream. He will see in a dream that Aisha anha is innocent. This is what she thought. But she said about herself, she, she said, I didn't think that I was important enough or significant enough that Allah would reveal verses of the Qur'an regarding my situation that the people will recite until Yawm Al-Qiyamah. I didn't think that I'm, I'm that important that that can happen for me. But I thought that maybe a dream will come to the Prophet ﷺ where he will see that I'm innocent. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored Aisha radiallahu anha. He actually re revealed verses of the Quran that proved her innocence. So as soon as Aisha radiallahu anha turned away after speaking, 
the Prophet ﷺ went into that state. He went into that situation that he would, he would come into every time revelation would come down to him. Even if it was a cold day, the Prophet ﷺ would sweat when revelation came to him because of the heaviness of the revelation. So the Prophet ﷺ came into that state while they were still there in the house of Abu Bakr radiallahu And Aisha radiallahu sees that the Prophet ﷺ is receiving revelation. And the parents of Aisha radiallahu anha, Abu Bakr and Umm Ruman, they see that the Prophet ﷺ is receiving revelation. So now they know this is the moment of truth. Now the truth is going to come out. So Aisha radiallahu anha, when she sees this, she is completely at peace that, okay, finally, now I'm going to be cleared. She had no fear at all because she knew that Allah was going to clear her. She had no fear at all. But as for Abu Bakr, and Umm Ruman, when they saw that the Prophet ﷺ was re receiving revelation, they were terrified. They were very scared because they didn't know what this revelation was going to be. They didn't know, is this going to prove her innocence or not? So they were very scared. But as for Aisha anha, not scared at all. She had, she had firm yaqeen and certainty in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So she was not scared at all. Then finally, when the revelation stopped, the Prophet ﷺ was very happy. You could see the happiness in his face. And he addressed his wife. He addressed Aisha radiallahu anha, smiling. He said, Ya Aisha, Allah faqad barra'aki. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cleared you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has exonerated you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that you are innocent. So alhamdulillah, this was a great relief for the Prophet ﷺ, for Aisha radiallahu anha, and for Abu Bakr and Umm Ruman. Now everyone, alhamdulillah, they can put this behind them. Allah has attested to the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha in the Qur'an. So this is a big burden lifted off all of their shoulders, walhamdulillah. Everyone is very happy. And Umm Ruman, the mother of Aisha radiallahu anha, she says to Aisha radiallahu anha, Qumi washkuri Rasulallah. Stand up and go thank the Messenger of Allah. Stand up and go and thank the Messenger of Allah. And what did Aisha radiallahu anha say? She said, Wallahi la aqum wa la ashkur illallah. She said, Wallahi I will not stand up and I will not thank anyone except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has exonerated me. So this was a great relief for the family of Abu Bakr Now regarding Mistah, who was a relative of Abu Bakr, who got involved in the spreading of this, this false rumor and this slander, he was a good man, but he made a big mistake. And he repented for that mistake, and he was actually punished for that. He was flogged for that mistake that he made. But he was a good man who made a mistake. Abu Bakr used to spend on Mistah, Mistah was a poor man. And Abu Bakr as we mentioned, he was wealthy, alhamdulillah. And he used to spend upon Mistah. He used to help him out and spend upon him. But then, after this, Abu Bakr said, Wallahi, I will not spend on him anymore. He is the one who, who spoke ab about my daughter, the honor of my daughter. I'm not going to help him out anymore. I'm not going to spend any money on him anymore. And this is a very understandable reaction for any father. Someone says something about your daughter. You, you're going to help that person out with money. Usually a person will not. And it's understandable to think in this way. So this is what Abu Bakr said. 
said, I'm not going to spend on him anymore. It's finished. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed an ayah of the Quran. وَلَا يَأْتَلِي أُولُوا الْفَضْلِ مِنْكُمْ وَالسَّعَةِ أَنْ يُؤْتُوا أُولِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَالْمُهَاجِرِينَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْيَعْفُوا وَالْيَصْفَحُوا أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this beautiful ayah regarding Abu Bakr radiyallahu that the people of virtue Ulul Fadl, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala counts Abu Bakr as from Ulul Fadl, from the people of virtue, wasa'ati, and the people of wealth. Do not swear that you will not help out the poor and the relatives and the muhajireen, the people who immigrated in the path of Allah. And let them pardon, let them forgive. Don't you love that Allah forgives you? If you pardon and forgive other people, Allah will forgive you. Don't you want Allah to forgive you? Wallahu ghafoor rahim. And surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most forgiving and the most merciful. So when this ayah was revealed, Abu Bakr radiallahu an, he started spending on mistah again. He said, yes, of course, I want Allah to forgive me. If this is the way to get the forgiveness of Allah, yes, I will do it. So he forgave mistah and he started spending upon him again. And he said, wallahi, I will never stop spending on him. First, when he was angry, he said, Wallahi, I'll never spend upon him again. Now he says, Wallahi, I will never stop spending on him. Because he wanted the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. This was, this was how he reacted in this situation. So you see from these incidents, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu during the battle of Badr, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu during the, the incident of the slander, you see, mashallah, how he kept firm and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him. So these are some important incidents from the life of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Inshallah, next week we will talk about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and his firmness on the day of Hudaybiyyah. When the treaty of Hudaybiyyah was made, many of the Muslims, they found it very hard to accept the terms of this treaty. So we will see Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and, and his firmness on that day and his his closeness to the Prophet and his firmness in following the sunnah of the Prophet we will see how that came to light during the day of Hudaybiyyah inshallah we'll speak about that next week bi'idhnillah wallahu alam sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in